0: Hello, magical beings, and welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm your host. I'm a confidence coach. I'm an instigator of joy. I'm a human. And I help spiritual adventurers remember who they are and why they're here so they can up-level with ease. You've probably heard me say that the universe wants you to be sparkly AF. It's true. I believe it 100%. I also want you to be sparkly AF because I believe that when you are your sparkliest self, that is when you are going to find ease. That's when abundance is going to be drawn to you. That is when your being is just going to light up the world and you're going to elevate the rest of humanity. You're going to be unstoppable. You're going to be dynamic. You're going to be magnetic. And oh, my friends, I want to see that. I want to see that. I want to feel it. And I want you to feel that and see that. And so with that in mind, I made something for you. And I'm really excited about it. It's a retreat and a program. And I teamed up with my friend, my soul sister, my work wife, Tina Olson. If you don't know who Tina is, go back a few episodes. We had a lot of fun on an episode about a month ago. So about four, four episodes back. Now back to this experience that we made for you. It's called Shed Your Shit and Find Your Flow. It ends in a retreat, save the dates, January 10th through 13th on Siesta Key in Sarasota, Florida. We will be staying like 30 yards from the beach, from Siesta Key Beach, which is one of the like world's most beautiful beaches. We have a private pool. We are going to find our flow in the most epic, easeful, energized, magical, sparkliest ways. But before we truly step into our flow, we gotta shed our shit, right? We gotta make a space for the flow. So we, we lead into that and we actually start November 7th. So hop on over to KelseyAbbott.com slash find your flow to get all the information and join us for this epic adventure. Now, this week's conversation, I talked to Figs O'Sullivan. He's the founder and chief empathy officer at Empathy, that's empathy with an I, which provides step-by-step guidance for couples and individuals who care about their relationships. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist who certified in emotionally focused therapy for couples and individuals, and he's a passionate entrepreneur driven to change lives for the better. He strives to interact with clients as a fellow traveler on life's journey, allowing them to easily dive deeper into their stuff with his down-to-earth philosophy. Figs really is a totally down-to-earth, genuine, grounded, funny dude. And we had some fun together. I hope you all enjoy this. Remember, go forth and be awesome. So Figs, tell me in your own words, please, what do you do?
1: Yeah. Hi, Kelsey. Um, I am a couples therapist, primarily, and a relationship coach and you could boil it down to I help anybody that gives a shit about their relationship. um, Stop struggling, communicate better and snuggle more.
0: I love that. Less struggle, more snuggle.
1: Oh, I like the one. Jeez. There you go. Less struggle, (laughs) more snuggle. My God, that's even better. Good. You can use it. Oh, thank you. It's yours. That's brilliant. (laughs) Thank you.
0: You're welcome. So what got you into relationship? work?
1: Yeah, I mean look, I'll give you the real answer. Right. Um I have a lot of wounding myself. You know, I'm the son of an alcoholic father and of course, as you can imagine, then a heartbroken mother. Um and so I grew up with just it kind of hurt, right? It was painful to be in a family that had so much pain and grief and shame and I wanted more than anything in my life to have that sense of belonging that being in a solid connected nuclear family brings. And I didn't have it. And it certainly has been my life goal to be able to have that for myself even on a deep, deep um, subconscious level it's not like I was walking around as a teen or in my twenties thinking that's what I want for my life. But really I think is by far the most important thing for me. And I've worked really hard on myself, you know, um, like over the years on how to integrate my own wounding. So I could be, um, a good partner and father. And then, of course, locally now I'm in a situation that not only am I a wounded human being, but which, you know, is a privilege to be here at all. And then I get to help other people, like, you know, learn how to meet themselves, love themselves, and and love those people most important to them in their life. And then hopefully they expand that then out to everybody. That would be nice.
0: A little ripple effect.
1: A little ripple effect. That's why I always say the best place, you know, name my company is Empathy with an I on the end.com. And I always say the best place to learn empathy is with them um, inside a primary relationship, right? Because like, you know, your, your spouse or your long-term committed partner is going to annoy the crap out of you, right? There's, they're just going to like, because they, like, we hold up mirrors to each other. We show each other reflections of ourselves that we really don't want to see. And if, you know, if your boss showed you a reflection of yourself you don't want to see or your, you know, your friend, right, or your neighbor, you can go, whatever, I don't care. I'll go find another neighbor to talk to, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't have to talk to you, right? But when our spouses, our long-term partners show it to us, right, that really doesn't sit well because, you know, they're actually quite important to us. So learning empathy in um, inside a relationship is actually really, really challenging Um, for all, you know, for all the right reasons, right? Because you're so important to each other. You hurt each other's feelings and it's going to be very challenging then to go from reactivity to actually um, softening and engaging with each other. Is
0: empathy something that you had to learn or did that come naturally to you?
1: You know, that's a really good question. I think I've always. I, I think yes. Look, it's a little bit of both. I do think I have, for whatever reason, I have the physiological ability to have empathy. Now that doesn't mean over time, let's say you know as a, a white like man, even though I'm a you know a foreigner, an immigrant, right? Like it, so, I had to learn stuff about like having empathy for people that are less privileged, that they don't get to walk around as the, you know, the chosen superior class of white people that don't even realize they're treated better than everybody else. Right? Like, so I, I you know, I've, I've, I've been educated, you know, educated in lots of ways. Right. Um, to have empathy for more people, but I would just say on a base level, I always knew from an early age that what I found most beautiful was getting, seeing people be there for others that are suffering. Like as a, the things that I remember the most as a child that were most inspiring to me was seeing, whether it was my mother, you know, being there for people that were hurting like showing up really fiercely, like obviously having empathy and then like engaging with compassion actively to be there for other people Um, or seeing like, you know, my granny, typical Catholic Ireland, you know, just a constant, constant um, refrain about being kind and thinking about all the poor people in the world, like, So I I just grew up with nuns and priests and I'm not the like, you know, the the horrible caricature of these awful people that were mean and, you know, uh, but just like this emphasis on kindness, like such a huge emphasis on being kind and loving. So, you know, and then, you know, there is this difference. I don't want to get too technical, but. You know, there's conceptual empathy, right? That you are going to get it. Oh man, that person's hungry. I know what it's like to be hungry. Hmm. And then there's like literally physiologically feeling it. Whereas like, you know, when my kids are running down, when my little two-year-old is running down the street, I feel physical pain in my legs when I imagine him falling. Mm-hmm. Like he, he doesn't have to fall for me to be in, I am in physical pain. I get electric current in my legs. Now, not everybody has that kind of physiological ability to feel empathy, Um, but, um, you know, I do think most, I think people can develop it, but I also think um, everybody has the ability to conceptually get, you know, oh, you're hungry, I know what that's like, oh, oh, you poor devil.
0: I love that you separate the conceptual versus physiological empathy Mm -hmm. as I I feel I'm with you on the physiological empathy. I'll feel the electric currents. I feel it sometimes it knocks me down.
1: Yeah. You know, it's a, look, I think it's a wonderful thing, you know, it can be a Mm -hmm. gift to give to other people, but yeah, it can be a little overwhelming too. Right. Um, you know, I have to be very careful about, um, like, if someone tells me something awful that happened, like, you know, I, I see it, you know, it could stick with me for a long time. I can be careful what news I read and just because, like, you know, it does no good. You know, sometimes, obviously, I think it's important to actually not avert your eyes and, and be affected. But also, look, I, I don't need to read about every abandoned baby. Like, you know, today there's the news article about the baby they found in the shallow grave. Like, I I can't I can't dwell an awful lot on that. And that's like, look, you know, it just doesn't it doesn't serve any particular value. And it's just be too overwhelming for me to really allow myself to go into that too much.
0: Right. Because it's going to keep you from being your best self
1: yeah it's just like yeah it, you know well yes yeah, so i i definitely um yeah just as a, like a funny story you know i used to back in the day be very obsessed with the israelis and the palestinians you know and um to the point where when my mom would call me call me up to check in how i was doing she would just say. How are the Palestinians today? Things, right, <laughs> like so, yeah. Like I, I have to make sure, in some ways, that whatever, like, whoever I'm empathizing with today, right, that um, you know, it does. It's constructive, and that's one of the things I love about being a therapist and a couples therapist. Like, I actually get to use this ability to have empathy in a, like in a constructive way, as opposed to like being some neurotic crazy person. Like, you know, like, you know, that isn't it doesn't actually help anything, you know?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, so I, I actually one of the things that's been great for me about becoming a therapist is whatever ability I have to be empathic and validating of people, I actually use it productively to help people. As opposed to just drive my family mad.
0: Right, right, and so it's upset. it's focused empathy
1: exactly exactly i i have a very clear idea what i'm going to try like I, I, everybody makes sense right i've never met a person come into my office and um, that doesn't make perfect sense what they do what they say right all i have to do is get to a place that i truly understand what their real vulnerable feeling is underneath that Behavior that they're doing. And even if at first the behavior looks like, well, that isn't a very helpful behavior. You can't be shouting, screaming at people because they put too much cream cheese on your bagel, right? Like, look, you know, you might say the behavior is clearly like, this, this isn't working, man. You can't be doing that. But, you know, if we ask a few questions, we might discover the way in which they don't feel heard or considered and they feel powerless a lot. I was like, oh, well, hello that kind of makes sense now if I felt that unheard and that not considered not powerless in the world. And I asked for light cream cheese. And the next thing, you know, they put this like half block of Philadelphia on my um, bagel. Like I could see how that could trigger a moment of like, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back and you became that raging lunatic that has 10 minutes of infamy. Cause you were throwing over cream cheese bagels around some bagel shop but um so yeah there's a like I'm always trying to like get to a place my underlying assumption is everybody makes sense everybody is valid and when a couple comes to see me right because that's primarily what I do they usually start off even if they're not doing it intentionally as invalidating each other right I am I'm hurting and you're the one that did it to me and your story about what's going on is completely wrong Right. That's what both people, again, even if they think they're being very nice about it, ultimately that's what both people are saying. And so what I do at first is I just am listening to both people and, you know, yeah, listening to both people. You actually have to not listen to any one person for very long because the longer one person talks, the more activated the other person's going to be. So you have to go back and forth very quickly in the early stages A of seconds. But, but so I'm just trying to listen to both people and see how, oh, well, of course you make sense. Like, if I was you, I'd feel that way too, right? And no wonder you would behave that way, right? Now, I wouldn't advise you slashing your partner's tires when you're upset with them, but it does make sense you're upset. I'm a bit of an exaggerator.
0: Well,
1: you don't want anyone slashing tires, right? No. But... but But like, I get how you could be hurting and why you would act the way you do. And if we can do that well for both people, then I'm gonna be able to show them, like reflect back to them. Now I get this awful negative system or pattern that you guys co-create with each other where neither of you um, have exclusive ownership to the, being the injured party, and neither of you have exclusive ownership to being the bad guy in the relationship. You're both hurting. You both act in ways, not because you're bad, right, but just because it hurts so much, you act in ways that are definitely gonna hurt your partner even more. No wonder you get stuck with each other. You. Poor little devils, right? How awful for both of you that you love each other so much that you get stuck like this, ouch. Now, so I'm always working to get a couple that like come in first, you know, as the world-renowned experts and how awful their partner or spouse is, get them to that place where you see, oh, Jesus, this is awful for you and it's awful for me, right? That's the key shift. And it may not sound like a lot as I describe it, but if you can tear in people from two alligators that are actually a threat to each other, to two little field mice that are just hurting and they could do with another little field mouse to like to be close to because it's so painful being disconnected to each other. Right. Then we're in a whole new world.
0: So you're taking them from being invalidated from like yeah. feeling completely unseen by the exactly. part, person that they want to be seen most by at least being seen by you
1: exactly, yeah, so i'm like I'm like relaying what they cannot do for them for the for each other I do for them until such time and reflected it to them until such time that um what my perspective becomes their perspective. I, when people first come in, they're two separate narratives, right. And I have a third narrative. And every time they offer me their narrative, uh, look, which basically is always, I'm hurting and they're the one that did it to me. Yeah, no matter what they say, that's basically all they're saying, right? And they both compete with that. And then I offer them this third narrative where it's it's both of us, it's only happening because we're both hurting. We're only hurting because we freaking love the shit out of each other. And, the things we both do to protest hurting are a disaster for our relationship because it ends up hurting the other person even more. Even if we actually, in the, the intent behind that behavior was to actually be helpful, right? Mm. I will offer that. I am like, I often compare, I'm like a pitbull, right? That is locked on and I'm not letting go, right? I just won't stop. I'm going to offer them this empathy filled, compassion saturated narrative right over and over and over again and I am I am going to do it much longer than they're going to be able to keep telling me how horrible the other person is right I'm just like I won't stop you come into my office right I'm going to help you guys love each other you could stop coming but once you walk in this door I'm not going to deviate from helping you love each other
0: It sounds like you help them love them, love each other. Yeah. By loving them first.
1: Absolutely. I always say one of the greatest privileges of my job is I get to love people for a living, right? I find what, again, like I said, behind every awful behavior you can see is a human being that's hurting. I'd much rather meet people in my office than at a cocktail party. Hmm. Right? No, because you know, what's, what are we going to talk about at a cocktail party? Right? Like, what do you do for a living? Or oh, oh, what age is your child? Right? What school did they go I mean, you know, everybody's like got some mask, they're protecting themselves. Whereas, you know, and you, you, I need a couple in my office, and people at first go, that must be awful. Those people are like going to be shouting and screaming at each other. But we're actually closer to actually seeing who they really are, the way they're actually genuinely a vulnerable human being right? Because connection is so important when it's absent, it hurts. So I'll actually get to meet the real beautiful person inside them. And I, that is awesome, right? You know, so I, I love meeting people that are fighting because yeah, their vulnerability is so close to the surface. So, yeah.
0: now, I'm back in that perspective of you'd rather meet people in your office than a cocktail party. And I'm yes. so agreeing with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, let, let me say one thing which is, you know, there is a there is a little bit of a um a flaw in that logic though, right? Like I I've always been a very social person. Well, one I'm Irish. And I always say like you take the most introverted person in Ireland and you ship them off to America. And he's like the, you know, like he's the center of every social gathering, right? Like, like, you know, in general, we don't come like quiet and mean, right? (laughs) We're a very chatty, friendly bunch, but huge generalization, right? But one of the things I've noticed about becoming a therapist, I'm doing this work, right? Where I'm empathizing, validating, loving, chatting and making them laugh and cry is I extend a lot of my social energy. You know, so, so there's a real, which is, you know, there, the the potential risk in that is what may, what, what keeps me being able to be any way good at what I do is make sure I don't ever get high on my own supply of awesomeness. Right. You know, like, cause you know, if I get like, cause people come to see me and they only see me in my office, they're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. He's helping us love ourselves, each other. And he's, in the middle of it like that's not good you need real relationships where with you know my spouse friends that can call call me on my shit you know like uh things uh, calm yourself down there buddy you know before you get too big for your britches right do, do people even use that word britches pants you just did people know what it means <laughs> i wasn't sure if it's an irish
0: expression or britches everyone knows britches are pants
1: So, so yeah, I'm
0: married to a Canadian. I I don't know. He uses it. Oh,
1: okay. Good. Well, so yeah. So one of the things I have to be very careful about is even though I don't have a lot of social energy left is that I do still go out and maintain friendships. Um, because it's, it's for obvious reasons, it's essential, but also, um, it's not actually it doesn't work i i'll end up getting burnt out on the work too if i don't stay connected to community
0: yeah i feel that too i find i go deep fast Mm -hmm. um with my clients and i love what i what i do for work wonderful and then yeah it's really energetically expensive right if i have too many clients in a day i reach the end of the day and i'm like no talking. I have no words get, I get nothing.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's not fair to my friends and family.
1: No, exactly. Yeah. It's a tough balancing act to get right. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So backing up to how you got to this whole helping people love each other. Yeah. Do you feel like, I mean, you said you were wounded. Eight, all right, I heard two things. One, it sounds like you come from a long line of compassion.
1: Probably, yeah.
0: And then two, you were wounded. Yeah. Is that all, are you grateful for those experiences now?
1: Yeah, of course, absolutely, right? You know, you, you know you wouldn't, I wouldn't be wishing like, God, I hope you um, have some awful family crisis so that you'll be betrayed by life and overcome it and become all you can be in the world. But ultimately, that is every person's journey. If they're ever going to become their, quote-unquote, entelechy, all they could be in the world, there's going to be some trials and tribulations. And how they meet those trials and tribulations, you know, whether it, it makes them or breaks them, that's it, right? And so this is, this is the most important thing in your life. My biggest betrayal in life, right, like speaking kind of in, like, a, you know, Jungian psychology terms is... Um, Not my dad not being able to be present due to his relationship with alcohol and what that did to my family. So, look, who who would I be without it, right? One of the things I kind of somewhat jokingly say to my wife, but it's true, the way things are going for our children, right? You know, my wife's a couple therapist, I'm a couple therapist. Dad, mom is a couple of therapists. They're a dad and a mother, a therapist, right? Um, my sister's a therapist. The way things are going for my, um, my kids, they're never going to be wounded enough in terms of their family of origin to ever be good psychotherapists, right? Now, they could be amazing, like, architects, right? Artists, you know, plumbers, like, who knows, right? But I don't think they're going to get to be really good psychotherapists. Like wounding, in my opinion, is essential now they life will betray them, you know, there's no way right it won't in some way, but um like I it's just not looking good for them to carry on the family, you know um, <laughs>
0: they're um, young still,
1: they're young I know <laughs> exactly but um, but you know, look, the other stuff, like, yeah, so you know, I don't know who 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 knows what I would have been. Um, to be honest with you, I would say if I, when I was younger and I didn't have emotional trauma, right? Little t trauma, ongoing, like emotional trauma, not just one big t, one big instant trauma. Um, I would have liked to have been a dancer or like a performer, you know, theater, dance. Like, so... You know, like using a lot of the same capacities I use now to help people go from escalated to de-escalated through like being personable and funny and like, you know, animated. Um, So it is interesting. Sometimes I do like what would have, you know, could have just been different. So talk to me about dance. Like, about dancing? Yeah. Yeah, well, look, I I, came, I still end up, dance is still a really big part of my life, although with two little kids, I don't get to do it as much. Um, I often say I learned more about how to be a good couples therapist through lear- knowing how to do improvisational dance than I have through formal, you know, couples therapy training. Um, and a lot of that is just because, like, you know, you know, you have to be able to dance in all these different landscapes. One is how can you dance intimately with yourself, right? Can you actually listen and notice what you're really feeling? Um, notice the way you're affected, you know, feel it and then describe it. And Obviously, with dance, you describe it in, in movement, right? Um, not So it's not the dance of like, what, how do I make it look good to the outside? It's actually, what do I notice is true for me in this moment? And what is the organic from within movement that expresses that, right? And so that's one landscape. And then the second landscape is then, how do I do that where I'm in touch with what it's like to be me, but then I'm dancing with one other. And so I stay connected to me and I stay inside my own experience. And yet I'm open to being affected by another human being. And they're open to being affected by me. And now we co-create together. Right? Um, so, and that again is driven by what we're actually feeling and how we're responding to each other in the moment. And then of course the third landscape is then the dance community. And the dance community now is I let go of my own identity completely. And I just go out and soften my gaze and I see the entire dance ensemble, like, like someone on the, out of my you know, peripheral vision jumps What is it that organically happens inside me, how I want to respond? And so then you, together with a bunch of people, you co-create something, right? So that kind of, you know, just like we were talking about before we, you know, started this interview, let's just see what happens. Let's just talk, right? I really love just how do I just know, stay inside myself, hear what you're saying, and then just respond organically i'm not worried too much about whether it sounds good or you know just so by the way those three landscapes i just described if anybody is really curious i actually just described the basics uh, basic foundations of a type of personal development dance modern dance meets personal development called soul motion so s-o-u-l new word m-o-t-i-o-n um so anyway, if anyone's ever curious about, about that. So I, I, I did a lot of soul motion dancing.
0: How were you into dancing before you did that?
1: You know, I was into dancing a lot as a little kid, right? You know, um, I loved dancing as a little kid. You know, Gene Kelly was probably my all-time hero as a kid. And then of course Michael Jackson, you know, um, I'm old. So, you know, when Thriller came out, I think I was like twelve or eleven. Um, so I really always loved that. And then, of course, like San Francisco in my, you know, you know, I was rave house, music, culture out all night and half the next day. Right. Um, you know, as you do, as you right, do. before you grow up. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so no, I, I've always loved um, I've always loved dancing.
0: And then how did you find this personal development through dance? I've never heard of this. I'm really interested in it.
1: Um, well, uh, so, you know, I went and lived at a place called Esalen and I don't know if you've ever heard of Esalen. Esalen is kind of being described as like, it's like the Harvard of the personal development movement. It's a retreat and Big Sur and, You know, when I first came to America, I was a stockbroker and I was, you know, I have a bit of a masculine competitive side to me. And it really fed that. But like I got burnt out. I gave it all up and I um, went to Esalen. In fact, I think Esalen's where your man, the main character in um, what was the advertising show in the 50s, the big madman, madman. That's where he ends up at the end he ended up so was, so. I just like I had enough I ended up at Esalen and um, like and I was going to go there for a month and I stayed there for a year and a half and I did, I studied all this personal development stuff um, you know and improvisational theater and then I would see people dancing and I'd never danced as a grown up sober Right, I, I, Irish. I would, I would dance after being drinking pints and freaking going out like a wild man, and all sorts of other stuff. Right, in my teens and twenties, and so here I was at this like place with all these amazing people, and on a Saturday or Sunday morning at nine thirty a.m., people were dancing their hearts out, right, and connecting with each other, and it was, it was inspiring and terrifying, like terrifying I knew this is it but I also was like I am never going in to do that but so after I lived there the entire year and a half I lived there I never did any of that hippie dancing stuff right I really wouldn't do it right um but then but this thing inside me I knew I knew this was the best medicine for me right and so I booked a year after I left, I booked the seven-day residential dance workshop, right? Because, like, I was so scared of it. I was like, look, I better jump in with both feet and commit. Or, I'll like, if it was a two-hour class, I would just leave, right? So I did seven days of um, dancing for six or seven hours a day. And it was terrifying. Every single session, I just wanted to, like, hide and run away. But... Um, yeah, it's, it was it was amazing. You know,
0: what I mean. was that first day like? Like the first time you felt that fear and, and did it anyway?
1: Well, look, I, I, well, one of the things, like I said, that's so nice about it is this particular type of dancing is the only thing you have to do is notice what you're feeling and then express it in movement. So, okay, well, if what I'm feeling is deeply ashamed, what does that look like in movement? I'm gonna curl up in a ball and rock back and forth, right? If it's like, I'm really anxious, what does that look like to move through my body? So, you know, if you're dancing with another person and it's really hard to be in contact, okay, so you don't face them and they have to notice what it's like to be that. Like, so what was great is there was just, there's just a lot of freedom to actually engage in the process exactly from where you're at. Which is obviously very similar to what I do now is people, people get to be whoever they are and come in exactly the where they are. They don't have to start from a particular place in their relationship, they don't have to both wanna make it work, right? Which sometimes that drives me crazy with other couples therapists. they're like, look, I need both people to actually want it work, want it to work before we get started i mean that, that to me that's crazy i often say like if i only work with couples where both people knew they wanted it to work i'd have to be i wouldn't be able to do this interview with you because i'd be out on the corner with a sandwich board <laughs> trying to find those couples yeah right? um so so yeah i love just meeting people exactly where they are and if that means i'm scared to be here or that means i'm anxious or that means i'm angry great Let's welcome it, be in it. And if we do that well enough, it'll transition to something else. No idea what it's gonna transition to, but it's definitely gonna change into something else, right? And so, yeah, so all of that, like, again, I think dance is the purest, purest form of communication. Um, And so it's really helped me trust those moments of not knowing what's going to happen next that are terrifying. It's terrifying already inside myself. Like if I'm on my own in front, if you're out on your own in front of 50 people and there's no music and you have to move right in front of them, it's pretty terrifying. Just like if you're in front of two people that are fighting like cats and dogs and you're trying to trust the moment and trust if I do this well enough, like be with this moment and help them fully get immersed in it we will move somewhere else right um but it's terrifying but exhilarating and awesome
0: right but anyway so it sounds like you you dance with fear on a regular basis
1: i do you know it's funny i was just talking to my best friend about this um you know it was a dance facilitator and dj and all sorts of stuff it's like Like, and he was just asking me, why don't keep working on your business? Do more dance, get start looking after yourself more. And I'm like, like, but you do know, even though I love dance, like I never go to a dance where I I, I walk in and I'm having a wonderful time. Like, you know, some people, they just walk in the room and they're open. And like, I'm built where pretty much everything, even the things that give me the most joy in life, I start off pretty constricted. Like I'm pretty contracted at first. I have to move through shame. My body hurts. Oh my God. I don't want to dance with that. Per- oh, stop. They're looking at me. Oh, I have to move. I have, there are so many layers of resistance that I have to move through to be engaged in the world. Like, and like, you know, God bless those people that don't have that. But like, I don't have that much that I naturally want to do. I have to work so hard to be as fully alive as I can be. Mm. Right. I'm, I'm a contracted human being. I'm scared. I worry a lot. So, but I start there and move it. Right. Yeah. What can I do? I'm not going to give up and just sit and watch Netflix all day. I'm going, you know, even though, believe me, it's attractive, right. Especially my new latest show dark. Have you heard of dark?
0: No, no, no. I'm on the great British baking show right now.
1: I have heard that's a good one, but Dark is this German show, like time travel, like amazing character development. It's it's incredible, but but yeah, look, I life life, um, I resist life, and so, and this is a way that I've found to move through it. I, I start off, I honor, accept, that I'm resistant, I'm scared, I'm ashamed, whatever it is, I don't feel I belong, and um, I work it until it shifts to something else.
0: That's a really beautiful process.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, the alternative isn't so good. So, but yes, thank you. Thank you.
0: So you, you kind of moved through it really quickly that you were a stockbroker when you first came to the States. Yes. What did, what did you take from that experience that you're using today? Um,
1: I'm very driven. I learned how to um, be persistent, right? Like, you know, like I'm doing this podcast interview with you. I don't know, I'll do a hundred podcast interviews. I don't know which one or two will be like, someone will say, thanks, my God, I'm so glad I heard you, right? Maybe none, but like, I'll just—I I learned very early on when I came here. It was look—if you pick up the phone a hundred times a day and you say ugh down the phone, one of those hundred people will say "ug" back to you. <laughs> so all you have to do is be willing, which is much, much um, easier said than done, right? Just pick up the phone a hundred times now. I was never going to be able to pick up the phone a hundred times to sell stocks and bonds, right? Cause it was, it wasn't inspiring to me, but now I do this work that absolutely lights me up. And so I can be really persistent, not only in the room, but at the business management, you know, and the sales and marketing, business development, all that stuff. Um, I'm I, I, I don't stop.
0: Does any of that stuff scare you? The business development, the sales, marketing?
1: No. What does scare me is um, what does scare me a little bit is. I, I wouldn't say I'm whatever level of um, expertise I have at how to make intimate relationships work. I I'm not as good at managing my hurt and reactivity when I feel threatened in business relationships. What's the difference? Get, um, I think I feel more powerless. I have more trust, right? That I can resolve things if I feel hurt with uh, an intimate other. Um, whereas with, if I feel threatened in a business relationship, I get more scared and I can feel more powerless. So I'm still, so one of the beauties, I'm, one of the beauties for me about building a business and having employees and vendors, right, is um, I'm, I'm really working. Like, again, on, my, on a self-development level, right, I'm really working because I, I can get, you know, I can get, I, look, uh, just last week I had a, I had a competitor reach out to me for couples counseling right and they did not like my pricing they were a psychiatrist and they were they were offended that someone that only has a masters level education would charge more money than they do right <laughs> so th- they did not know right that they were the only person that was sent that email and they wrote a negative review on my business yelp page right Now, luckily, I have have to Yelp's credit, they took it down, right? Because it was really, you know, it was just like begrudgery and, you know, which, you know, you know, know, universe blessed them or God bless them, whatever, right? Um, But I had three or four days last week where I was, I couldn't sleep properly. Like, it just really hurt. I mean... The negative review, like that, whatever, that's not a big deal. But just the fact that there's some quote unquote competitor that is like, like actually genuinely trying to hurt my business with me, and my family, like that, I, that's a really, really tough situation for me to be in. You know, that's much harder for me now than being in a conflict with my wife because I know I'm really confident we have the skills to resolve that. Whereas, yeah. So, so yeah, I, am growing my capacities as a human being probably even more these days and being a business owner, you know, than the relationship stuff, which of course I'm still growing in that, those areas too. right?
0: So back to this situation, did it make you question your pricing at all?
1: No, no. So look, I, I have a whole team of people, right? Um, we have pricing from that's low, the lowest in the city to, look, I, beyond. Like I'm, I may be personally the most expensive couples therapist in, I don't know, around, right? But I'm also, me personally, to spend an hour with me, right? But I also think, and maybe I'm just another like, narcissistic man, right? There's plenty of us out there. Um, I also think I'm people's best bet to save their relationships and marriage. And I'm a hell of a lot cheaper than a divorce. Um, so mm. you know, yeah, so I've, we've got, I've got solutions for everybody at every price point from free to a one time, like course to ongoing counseling and coaching from people that I've trained and believe in to then, Look, if you, if you want to work with me, like, I, I only so many hours, you know, and I got to tell you, I can't afford to see me, right? It's true, mm-hmm. you know, um, but yeah.
0: I, I really am inspired and impressed with you and Jill. Oh, gel- thank you. Because my, I know my gut story is yeah. immediately to, oh, maybe I am charging too much and then I can work through right. it, but that's where I go right away.
1: Yeah, look, the only reason the, the biggest downside of quote unquote charging as much as I do is I am an outlier. And with being an outlier, I peers um I can be resented. Now and it's not just fees, right? It's like whether it's creating apps or whether it's, you know, I got to be on all things considered. Right. They compared my ability to read human emotion or understand it to IBM Watson. Right. And <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Like, but all of these things, like, look, success is amazing and wonderful. And it comes with begrudgery.
0: You're yeah, not I'm, for everyone.
1: i well, I'm not for everyone, but, but, like, like other couples, therap- the closer a couples therapist is to my physical location, the greater propensity they are to actually have some resentment, right? So look, a, a couples therapist in New York is like, Figs, what's up, right? But a couples therapist around the block here in San Francisco is like, that's sick <laughs> Right. <Ugh." laughs> Balding, middle-aged Irishman, that stupid accent, right? Yeah, you know, but so look, is you know, that and uh, look, I just have my own stuff around feeling threatened. So it's not about other people being bad. I, like I said, like I just have that thing that it could, it actually hurts. Like I want people to like me. <laughs> so when all of a sudden, like like people don't like me, I'm like, oh, right, ouch. ouch, right, but but well, you know, all right.
0: I want to switch gears. Sure. So a couple of my favorite ending questions. Great. Let's start with, if you had a billboard. Yeah. What would it say?
1: God, if I had a billboard.
0: Um, and you can put it wherever you want.
1: And I could put it wherever I wanted. Um, stop bitching, start connecting.
0: Mm. I like it.
1: Oh, yeah. Good. it 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 works like on the personal level and the um macro level, right. you know what I mean in our country and our world
0: today, I like that one, yeah. yeah, does it work well, even on the personal level, like start connecting with yourself
1: exactly right stop bitching and moaning about your life start connecting with yourself what's what's what are you really feeling inside how can you attend and be nice to that part of you works with your partner or your immediate family and then of course like i was saying about myself me getting into bitching about whether it's global warming or freaking gun violence whatever my you know pain point issue is of the day well, geez, I better stop just bitching about it and reading about it and start connecting myself and other people and doing something, you know? Um, yeah. You know, yeah.
0: I like that. So if you have that as a reminder, yeah, then you'll always remember, Oh, I'm bitching. It's time to connect. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Do you want like, it is good. I do think there's some value to having a good old rant, right? But hopefully one could be in awareness that that's what I'm doing. And, and it's a trend, it's a temporary place, right? Um, it's a temporary place where I'm expressing my frustration. I know that's all I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to make anything better. I'm releasing this energy and I and then I will transition to creative action, you know, connecting in some way. But yeah, People, like, it isn't all bad to be in reactivity. As long as that reactivity is, um, you know, the bitching, as long as it's um, a temporary period of time and that you move it to something else.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about processing the emotions, letting it flow through you.
1: Right, and and that often, that's like, it starts with, with bitching. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, what I hate to see is people are so into being good that they don't let themselves bit. But we, in order to move through to the vulnerability, we have to almost, we have to start with the quote unquote bad behavior, the bitching, um, in order to then move to, to the vulnerability and then be able to share it, connect yourself with other people. Yeah.
0: So the last question, maybe, uh, what's okay. the scariest thing you've ever done?
1: the scariest thing i have ever done um hmm. I I the two things that are coming to mind right is being there with my wife when we our daughter was born at at home um you know I was really, really scared. Um, I, didn't, I, want, I started to want to freeze or disappear and just like stay present. Um, I started to feel like she'd rather be with the midwives than me, right? And there was a moment where that transition from starting to pull away and isolate to bridging that gap to going over to her and being with her um, was terrifying. Very small threshold made not sound like a big deal, but it was really, really terrifying. Um, and, and I know my, for my wife on the other side of that, she was starting to feel, I was starting to feel rejected and not good enough, and she was starting to feel abandoned and too much. And we were both on this threshold of like, God, if it goes, we could have fallen either direction of that. Yeah. And luckily we friggin' managed together to end up like, like her reaching out and me coming and that's having this beautiful shared birth experience um you know and the other one i was just like came to mind was asking my wife to marry me i was terrified and i think it's a similar kind of internal feeling you know that what i just described (laughs)
0: like
1: it was a re that was like it's such a small threshold right on one level but that threshold was so big internally that, that it was yeah it felt almost otherworldly when it came down to the moment of doing it, it was terrifying
0: it sounds like you have from the scariest experiences in your life you found incredible beauty
1: yeah well maybe i'm i'm biased to remembering good outcomes <laughs> right good scary ones that turned out well right but um yeah but they're anyway they're the two that comes to mind in this improvised
0: well and frankly they make good stories and that's true they make good stories so thank you for sharing those ones i like them
1: you're so welcome thank you
0: um figs where can people learn about you? connect with you yeah
1: i would say the easiest thing is just go to empathy.com and that's empathy with an i on the end not a y in the end i could not afford the guy would not sell me empathy with a y in the end probably just as well because i'm sure i couldn't have afforded it so empathy with an i in the end.com and the easiest thing to just get into the figs empathy universe is just take the quiz it's a free process you answer this quiz you'll get your self-discovery report it'll tell you who you are in love and relationship from a emotional bonding slash attachment theory attachment theory perspective you can invite your partner or spouse and then if they take the quiz through your invite they will also then get their self-discovery report it'll tell them who they are in love and relationship from an attachment theory perspective and then most importantly because now we have both of your answers we combine them together we got a little like like little people in the background inside the computer that combine your answers together. And then we give you your relationship system report and that relationship system report then tells you who you are together and what you co-create together and what you have to do to work on making your relationship amazingly awesome for the rest of your life. All of that, what I just described is completely free. Um, And uh, that's a good way just to, you know, check. Me out and empathy. If you're intrigued,
0: are you on social media?
1: I mean, yes. I'm not. I don't use it that much. To be honest. I don't post an awful lot. But you can do empathy now on Instagram or on Facebook. Empathy now. But I'm not a big. Social All right. Person. We won't
0: expect much from you there.
1: I really find it. Look, you know, and it's, it is a big business decision I've made. Is like I don't want to negatively impact the quality of my life even if it is a better business decision that I'm more active on social media. It just, the cost to my day-to-day life as a husband, as a dad, I, it's just not worth it. I love those strong boundaries. Well, well I'm trying, thank you. Thank you though, I appreciate <laughs> We it. all are. Yes, I'm trying, but yeah, thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for this conversation.
1: It's been yeah, a good Yeah, it was likewise. It felt really good. Thank you, Kelsey.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, KelseyAbbott.com, and there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.